Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast. My name is Ines Padar, and I'm a spiritual mindset and business coach. The goal of this podcast is to help you use the full power of your subconscious mind to ditch imposter syndrome, raise your vibration, unlock the doors to abundance, and grow a low stress and high income business. So let's get started. Hi everyone, I hope you're doing amazing. Welcome to part two of how to overcome imposter syndrome. So last week we covered what imposter syndrome is, its most typical signs and how it affects us. And this episode we will be talking about how to overcome imposter syndrome. And to do so, we are going to dive a bit deeper into where imposter syndrome even comes from, what is the root cause of imposter syndrome, because once we have that information, it is so much easier to actually tackle the problem at the root cause so you can overcome it. Now before we jump into that, Uh, You may or may not know that next week I'm hosting an Overcoming Imposter Syndrome workshop two-day event that I'll be speaking a bit more at the end of this episode and the link is in the description if you want to get more details or sign up. So let's get right into it, discuss the magic formula to overcome imposter syndrome. And before we get into the magic formula to overcome imposter syndrome, we need to understand why we have it in the first place. Now, you probably know or have probably guessed or just felt at a subconscious level that imposter syndrome basically stems from not feeling good enough. Because when we say, I'm not an expert yet, or who am I, or I'm a fraud, or I don't have enough certifications, I need more knowledge or more education, what we are really saying is... I don't feel ready enough or I don't feel good enough to do X, Y, Z. Or once I will have more knowledge or information, then I will know enough to, you know, do whatever I want to do. Or once I get that extra training, then I can apply for a promotion. And what it really is under the surface of kind of blaming or lack of information for what we feel is really not feeling good enough. Now, how do we know this? Because some people could argue, well, no, I actually feel great about myself. It's just really that I'm missing some sort of knowledge or information before I can feel fully confident. Now, that is sometimes the case. Sometimes, you know, you want to, I don't know, you want to cook something new for your in-laws and you just have to watch a few YouTube tutorials before you, you feel ready to do so and so be it. End of the problem. Everyone is happy. But most of the time, it is not as simple. And the reason for that, or the proof for that rather, is that over and over and over again, I have seen clients, friends, colleagues, audience members who do get that extra certification that they really feel will make a world of difference in how they feel and most importantly, how smart or qualified they feel. So they're like, yeah, you know, I want to apply for that job or I want to start, I don't know, selling a higher end offer that is a higher at a higher investment point. I just don't quite feel comfortable now. So I'll just do that extra, I don't know, nutrition training. So I really feel that that I can help my clients on many levels and then I'll feel confident. And then what happens is that we do the certification, we do the diploma, we get the extra ta- training, the extra course or whatever it might be and we might feel good for one, two, three days, maybe one or two or three weeks, maybe even though it's rare one or two months before this nagging underlying ever-present yet subtle feeling of oh I actually don't know enough comes right the fuck back 
And that's the thing with information. The more we know, the more we realize that we don't know, right? There will always be someone out there who has more experience, who has trained more, done more research, etc., etc. And time and time again, you have wonderful people who just keep investing or spending thousands of dollars in this and that certification, getting a tremendous amount of training and theoretical knowledge or who do PhDs and at the end of the day they still don't feel like they know enough and that is how we know that imposter syndrome is actually a bit more subtle than just a perceived gap in knowledge and that rather than that it goes much deeper to a sense of not feeling good enough. Now here are some of the reasons why we might not feel good enough in the first place so where it all starts, where it originates because it didn't really kind of just happen uh, from one day to another. One of the main causes, direct experiences, either in childhood or later in life, that made us feel not good enough. And this can go from a teacher who was not happy with us or who made a comment on, you know, your presentation that you were actually really happy with and confident about or who maybe embarrassed you in front of the entire class or trying our hardest but not achieving uh, what we wanted as we were younger so maybe you know we really wanted to get uh, in a school or in a program or in a sports team or whatever that might be we try really hard we give ourselves you know the means to reach that goal and it doesn't work and really subtly and very often unbeknownst to our conscious awareness it starts building this really damaging and really sticky feeling or belief that well, whatever I try, it doesn't work or it's not good enough. Or if they had liked me more in the team, I would have made it to the team. Or me as a person wasn't good enough, you know, to get my classmates' approval. And that's why I was always picked last at sports. Uh, stuff like that. It can also stem from feeling that some people were disappointed in us. And the sneaky thing with that too, especially if it's a primary caregiver, like our parents or anyone else who was responsible for raising us, is that when we feel that they're disappointed in us, the younger we are, the more we are going to attribute that to a so-called dysfunction or flaw that we must have. Because as children and again the younger the more the stronger this feeling our parents or primary caregivers are perfect so if they seem disappointed or unhappy or angry or if they yell and scream or if they are absent we are automatically going to assume even if we don't remember thinking that that it was our fault that if we were better or if we were good enough or if we were smarter or kinder or more funny or entertaining or just a better kid, then they would have given us what we needed or wanted. Now, obviously, an adult being disappointed in a child is absolutely never a child's fault. Even if it's something very mundane like our parents asking us to clean up our room and we didn't do it and then they have this disappointed look on their face, kids will be kids. You know, kids will find other priorities than cleaning up their room, but seeing that disappointed look on the face of our parents can really give us the feeling that something is wrong with us, even though it's not the case at all, and parents being disappointed is actually their problems, and they should just manage their expectations better. Now, a second aspect or a second source of why we would not feel good enough in the first place is generational stuff or inherited stuff, learned behavior 
by observing, again, family members or our parents who might themselves not have been feeling good enough. We're seeing, for example, one of our parents being deeply unhappy in their marriage but feeling that they couldn't go or even complaining to us if it wasn't a very healthy dynamic uh, between, you know, children and parents. Them saying, oh, I want to go but I can't or I would be nothing without your mom or your dad or I can't make can't make it without him or her. All of these things are going to reinforce learned helplessness or patterns of behaviors where we feel that whatever or whoever we are is not good enough or whatever we do or try never works or is never good enough to make us feel happy, right? So that can certainly reinforce the not good enough feeling. And as we know, if patterns or beliefs or subconscious wiring is not actively healed and changed and let go of when it's not serving us, it's just going to go down from generation to generation. Not because we are stupid, not because we want to suffer, but because we learn from the people we spend the most time with. And there's also, you know, fascinating research on how those things can epigenetically be transferred through our genes. They made a bunch of experiments with, I think, rats, where you had rat parents who they gave, I don't know what kind of food, like it's not really relevant, some sort of fruit. And when they received the fruit, then they wouldn't receive any food for like one or two days. So nothing life-threatening, but something that would trigger a lot of stress in those rats. And then what they did is that, you know, they stopped the experiment, the rats had kids, and then they never conducted the same experiment in presence of the kids, so the baby rats, right? Uh, but then they took the same piece of fruit that had stressed the parents and they, you know, gave it to the baby rats and the baby rats showed the same stressful reaction to that piece of fruit, even though they had never been conditioned with that. So basically the fear or anxiety of the parents was passed down to their offspring, even though their baby rats never had an experience of not having food for several days. So that is how beliefs and patterns can be uh, passed down from generation to generation if we don't actively change them. And a third reason why we might not be feeling good enough is abandonment. And some of you might be thinking like, what is abandonment? What does that have anything to do with business and this entire discussion in the first place? And if you had asked me that question two months ago or three months ago, I would have been, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there is some sort of link because everything is always linked, but I could not really tell you how it is linked. But this has changed as I've been reading a lot on the topic. And some of you might know if you listened to the episode two episodes ago of like the life update, that while I was in Costa Rica, a bunch of old abandonment fears just made their grand return and it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster but I am on the other side of that now and I have learned so so much information that I want to share with you because I'm sure that this can be helpful to some of you. So how is imposter syndrome and not feeling good enough linked to abandonment? Let's start by making clear that everyone, no exception, has some sort of primal abandonment wound because everyone was born. So we basically spend nine months, sometimes a bit less if we decided to come early, uh, in a warm, you know, dark, safe environment and suddenly we kind of get yanked out of there and that creates the first primal abandonment fear or wound because as newborns 
our chances of surviving in this world by ourselves is zero. A newborn baby, human baby cannot survive. It's not like a turtle, you know, they come out of their eggs and instinctively walk towards the water. No, baby humans, obviously, no need to explain this, cannot survive without their mom. So when we are born, there is this first major detachment or major fear that gets triggered and stored in our amygdala, which is that part of the brain that memorizes that type of information, of basically dying if no one is there. And usually the fear dissipates pretty fast because hopefully we are in our mom's presence or in her arms, etc., etc. So everyone has abandonment fears to a greater or lesser extent just because of the experience of being born in the first place. And then you have other events that will determine whether or not the abandonment wound is higher or bigger or smaller. Some of these things very obviously can be all of the things that come to our mind when we talk about abandonment, like, you know, being given up for adoption because maybe our parents just could not deal with a baby or one of our parents, you know, walking out on the family when we were young or when we were a kid, but also much more subtle stuff that over time can be as traumatic from a fight-or-flight response perspective, so in how our mind interprets the information, so not maybe as traumatic intellectually or when we conceptualize it with words, but from an emotional standpoint and how a kid or teenager or even an adult is going to experience it, it can have the same, you know, emotional vibration or signature. So stuff like parents who didn't show love in the way we needed. So maybe we needed physical affection to feel loved and our parents gave us a lot of word of affirmations and verbal encouragement or verbal validation but were a bit frosty or cold or distant when it came to physical affection and maybe because you know they don't need physical affection or maybe because their parents didn't give them any physical affection. It doesn't mean that they didn't love us or that they loved us any less but they can still be a lot of trauma or a lot of hurt when we did not get love in the form that we needed it, even though the person that we expected it from loved us dearly, right? Other examples could be absent parents because of work, because of an illness, because of an addiction, or parents who left when there was a divorce, or like a parent not really making the time for us, especially when we are a kid. We don't really understand what work is. So many children report, you know, to this day in my sessions with one-on-one clients, uh, when we do regression and when we go back to when they were children uh, under hypnosis, the child in them says, I don't understand why my parents are spending that much time at work. Why don't they love me? Or why don't they love me enough to spend more time with me? So we can't conceptualize as children that work is a separate thing and that adults have to do that. So we can also interpret that as a sign of us being not good enough or worthy of their attention. It can also be due to a parent giving more attention to another sibling because maybe the sibling was ill or was really hectic and needed more attention because it was like he or she was throwing stuff around the house or was having trouble at school, etc, etc. And other pretty simple events that we wouldn't necessarily link to abandonment but that can have a significant impact, especially when we are 
are younger and we don't have the cognitive abilities to understand what's going on. But have you ever been waiting at the daycare or at school after all of the kids went home or were picked up and you were the last one waiting and maybe your parents were in a traffic jam or maybe they thought that you ended or you finished school at five when in fact it was four. Like it could be from any reason or there was like a misunderstanding or they thought the other parent was going to pick you up and here we are waiting for our parents. Uh, many people have also reported that when they were in the hospital because they needed, you know, maybe basic surgery uh, their parents didn't come back for them and it's because the hospital staff had said no visits before after you know a certain time so it was just a big miscommunication but the kids who experienced that had this deeply traumatic experience with which massively gave them the message even though they didn't consciously say those words in their mind right but they felt like they were not good enough or not worthy or you know not lovable and that's why their parents didn't come for them. Now usually abandonment issues manifest the most in our relationships primary with a significant other so with you know a past current or future partner and also in relationships uh, sometimes but not always with friends or family it really depends on the message that we got in our mind uh, and the type of programming we got in our mind if we had a traumatic experience as a kid where our best friend stopped talking to us from one day to another and we felt deeply inadequate or that it was our fault or maybe we weren't cool enough for him or her, that might result into us struggling more with meeting friends later on and sometimes abandonment issues more often than not show up with significant others and being attracted to emotionally unavailable partners or unhealthy or toxic relationships. Abandonment wounds can also be triggered in if we, in any form of loss, so when we lose a job or when we lose a circle of friends or other circumstances similar to that. Now, this is relevant for business for two reasons. The first one, which I have heard a lot, is with regards to our audience or our clients. So some of the ways that abandonment wounds are going to show up in our business especially relating to our audience or clients is being for example overly sensitive to rejection that is a very common sign of an abandonment wound where you know when a significant other says oh i'm sorry i don't want to do this relationship anymore our world can fall apart and a tangent or a side effect of that or something that kind of belongs to the same feeling is an audience member or you know someone online dismissing a piece of content or us wanting to collaborate maybe with you know someone else or a fellow coach and them saying no it can also show up as having poor or no boundaries with again audience members or clients because part of us feels that we have to bend over backwards for them because we need their approval to actually prove that we are indeed good enough. So it's going to be very hard to set boundaries, for example, with a client and in terms of not working on the weekends or not, you know, answering at any hour of the day. If deep down we have a fear of abandonment and we are afraid that they are going to break the contract or that they will want, want a refund or that they won't be happy with us because it's just going to regress us to the exact same feeling 
when we were a kid when, you know, mom was always screaming and seemed to be never happy with us. The second way it can mainly impact our business is with our relationship to the universe or whatever greater power we believe in. And this was something that I struggled with a lot and still struggle with to this day, even though it's way better. But sometimes, you know, when I have a, a bad day or a bad afternoon, especially when I'm sleep deprived, so I kind of know better than listening to those thoughts. But what happens in my mind or when something, you know, doesn't quite go to plan is that even though I intellectually know and believe in and I'm really at, at peace with that, that everything happens for me. And that, you know, when things are not going the way I planned them or I want them to go, there must be a greater reason, there is something I need to learn, and it's ultimately for my greater good in the future, even though I can't see it right now. So I completely, fully, wholeheartedly believe in that on an intellectual level. However, the way it sometimes feels when a launch doesn't go as planned or when I've been trying to do something and hasn't been working is I feel deeply abandoned by the universe. I feel that I'm on my own, that there is no one out there to support me, that the one thing that should have my back, which is the universe or the greater power, is actually leaving me to my own devices. And that can be such a triggering and distressing emotion, especially because entrepreneurship can feel very lonely sometimes. So it's especially when we are not surrounded by many friends who also happen to be entrepreneurs. You know, many people say sometimes it just feels lonely. So when we don't have a circle around us of friends or family members who can really relate and understand, we often feel, you know, that what we do have left is the universe and that if we do our affirmations or if we connect with the higher power or we are embodying, you know, that next level self that already has what she wants, then the natural consequence of that is that the universe is going to send over what we want. And when it doesn't happen, it can really feel like the last kind of safety ring or the last person, and it's not really a person, right? It's more of an energy, but the last... I'm going to say person for the lack of a better word or entity or force that we relied upon is fucking giving up on us. And when that happens, when those thoughts go through our mind, it is tough. And the reason why it's tough, even though we intellectually know that eventually it's going to be for the best, right? There are lessons we need to learn. Uh, and eventually it's going to be okay. But the reason it feels so bad, it's because those feelings that we are experiencing in that moment when things are not working quite the way we want is a regression or is a reflection of older abandonment wounds that we experience either earlier in childhood or as a kid. And even though we might not remember what those events are, which is very common, so if you don't remember, you know, having had very upsetting circumstances around abandonment, it's actually pretty normal. So basically, when we feel like that as an adult, it's just bouncing off something earlier that triggered us when we were a kid and when we were actually helpless in many circumstances because, you know, there's stuff we just couldn't do as kids that we can actually do now. So this is why abandonment is so significant in business. So I hope I was clear with what I said. But the first aspect is that we are basically overly going to rely on outside stuff that we sometimes have no control over 
to give us the validation, love, nurturance, or safety that we need on the inside and that we don't have because of an abandonment wound. So when we are posting a post that we are really proud of, we are consciously or subconsciously expecting people to like, comment, share, maybe send us a message to say, oh my god, that post really helped me, thank you so much. That is the same thing as when we are kids and we work extra hard to have a good grade at school so our parents can be proud of us. It's a similar energetic signature, it's a similar expectation we have to get some sort of reward, love, affirmation, or gratitude from something external of us. And when we don't get that, it can feel extremely upsetting, and that's also sometimes why we obsess about the algorithm, and we feel that no one is seeing our content, and it's extremely distressing and frustrating, because I know you. (laughs) If you are like me, how many times have we been so angry, or so frustrated, or felt helpless, at content not getting engagement or not getting pushed you know out there on social media platforms blaming the algorithm sometimes wondering if it's us but then again previous posts or similar content did really well so we kind of know that the content was good it's just not really working and we feel so awful and we feel awful even though we know that similar content has worked in the past, so there's no reason why, you know, people wouldn't like it. And we also feel awful, despite the fact that we all know some coaches or industry leaders or people out there who are making, you know, a lot of money, maybe making as much money as we aspire to make one day, and who have a shitty engagement rate. Like, I don't know if you've already seen that, but I have many coaches I follow that I like a lot. Some are peers, some aren't, some are previous coaches, and their engagement rate is pretty awful. So logically, they shouldn't have clients, they shouldn't be making money, but they are, because it's all about energetic, right? So if they are making money and they are reaching their goals and they are enrolling X amount of people in their programs, despite the fact that no one is liking their Instagram post, well, it could also be the case with me and you. So why do we feel so bad when we don't get those likes or those comments? Why do we feel so deeply distressed? Because it can really feel distressing when we feel that everything is invisible and no one is seeing what we do. Well, it's because it's regressing us to previous emotions, past emotions that we felt probably as a kid, even though we don't consciously remember any of the circumstances that triggered those emotions. And again, it's normal and it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. So that's why, because of abandonment, that's also why we seek validation or love from clients or we constantly want to please everyone. That leads us to giving discounts or not really speaking up our mind because we want to please everyone. We don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. All of that is just us reenacting behaviors that as kids we did because we wanted love, validation, safety, nurturance, physical affection, etc. from our primary caregivers. And aspect number two, as I mentioned before, is feeling ditched by the universe. There is no worse feeling than feeling like you have zero support from nowhere, especially if you don't have support from family and friends, and your last resource, the universe, is also feeling that it's not there for you. All of that is going to trigger 
abandonment wounds. Now there is something called abandonment PTSD, which you might or might not relate with depending on, you know, your life experience and where you're at right now. But I'm going to talk about some of the signs really briefly, even though it's not completely in the scope of this episode, but just so you can become aware. If you are experiencing some of these feelings or some of these, you know, manifestations today, well, you now know how to tackle the issue, you now know how to change those things. It's probably linked to abandonment and we will talk about how to heal abandonment, which is the root cause of I'm not good enough, which is the root cause of imposter syndrome. All of these things mixing up and blending together beautifully, meaning that when you heal the root of the root, you actually heal everything, which is not feeling good enough, imposter syndrome, undercharging, having no boundaries. So it's a complex and deep issue, imposter syndrome, but it's also marvelous because the core, core, core of the issue is always the same, is not feeling good enough or not feeling worthy or feeling that we need external things like people to feel loved and appreciated and once we can reverse that our problems kind of fall like dominoes. So I'm going to mention a few signs of abandonment PTSD which might or might not be relevant for you, might be stronger or not as strong. One of the signs is a tendency to repeatedly subject yourself to people or experiences that are going to lead to new losses or new trauma. So to a smaller extent, constantly attracting clients who are ungrateful or who don't show any appreciation or who ask for discounts or who are constantly asking more and never really giving anything back is subconsciously us reenacting patterns from earlier where we don't feel worthy of love or we feel that we're not good enough so now we are attracting clients who are going to reflect that belief. Feeling of emotional detachment when things are not going the way we want which is a protection mechanism we would rather feel nothing than feel something. Uh, difficulty with standing kind of normal emotional ups and downs so if a client is really happy we are ecstatic and if a client voices a concern we can completely crash or again if an audience member makes like a comment on a post like oh this is bullshit like this is not true we can completely plummet in our mood and kind of question everything we've ever done when really you know it's just some dude or some lady who maybe was having a bad day or who just disagreed and technically you know it's not that much of a deal so difficulty with standing like normal events or ups and downs overreacting to them extreme sensitivity to rejection is a very common form of abandonment ptsd difficulty naming your feelings when something is really upsetting you or a tendency to avoid fully investing in your business so creative procrastination or sabotage because it's very scary to give it all we have and take the risk of being rejected again through failure, right? Which would be a reenactment of trying our best to get our parents' love and never receiving it. So now our defense mechanism is going to say, well, no, I'm not going to give it, give my heart and soul to this business if then I'm not going to get anything for it or if I'm not going to be successful and get the safety and love I'm actually expecting from my business. There are many other signs. These were just a few of them. Excessive need for control, uh, whether we're trying to control our clients or, you know, the algorithm or stuff in our business, not trusting service providers, not trusting team members or kind of double checking everything they do. Because again, 
when we feel out of control, we want to regain control. And as kids or even adults, if we were in an unhealthy relationship where we feel we have no control, we will want to regain some of that control and that shows up as being overly controlling. And by the way, all of these things I mentioned about abandonment PTSD, you can see them come up in your life probably with a significant other, but it can also be with friends, family, or as we just discussed in our business. Another sign is a tendency to rush into something and kind of clamping onto it without having made a informed decision. So typically, you know, things have not been going the way we wanted. And then we see this TikTok course where the founder of the course made $37 the first month using TikTok. So now we kind of jump into it, rush into it, clamp into it, really feeling that this is going to make a huge difference. This is what is going to change our entire life. And finally, we see the light at the end of the tunnel because this is, you know, the new strategy that's going to be a game changer. Not really thinking of, am I willing to post, you know, once or twice a day on TikTok? Do I actually want to be on TikTok? Is my target market on TikTok, etc.? So kind of rushing into things or rushing into a relationship and clamping onto that other person without, you know, really giving it a second thought. Now, how do we change that? How do we heal this primary thing of not feeling good enough or even at a deeper level abandonment, which is the cause not feeling good enough so we can smash imposter syndrome overcome imposter syndrome and just do business with peace of mind without having to overthink doubt or worry it's pretty simple doesn't mean it's easy not necessarily but it is simple and that is a great thing because a complicated procedure now is probably the last thing we need when we are not feeling good enough and when we are feeling abandoned to some extent so there is a basically a three pillar model that we can use which will absolutely erase any trace of imposter syndrome that is living rent free in your system now those three pillars are subconscious mind self-worth, self-confidence. So once we can master and know exercises and tools to work with our subconscious mind, once we can boost our self-confidence and our self-worth, it is literally impossible for imposter syndrome to continue to affect you. Because if you remember what we mentioned last week on the most typical signs and symptoms of imposter syndrome, so there is feeling like a fraud, feeling like an imposter among quote-unquote, the legit real deal people. So now that's a self-worth and self-confidence issue. Um, Feeling uncomfortable being paid what we want to be paid. Again, it's a self-worth thing, not seeing, you know, the worth in our program and the worth of what we have to bring to the table and how it can help other people. There was another one, which is basically either lack of trust or a lack of self-belief, which makes us overthink and procrastinate. And the reason why we procrastinate or that we don't trust ourselves is again due to subconscious programming or stuff that we have inherited or learned and that is deeply ingrained ingrained in our subconscious level. Another aspect or symptom of of imposter syndrome is that visibility feels really scary because we are afraid of being judged. Once we boost our self-confidence, once we know, you know, our worth and what our product or service 
can bring to the table, again, visibility issues kind of fade away. Feeling like we're not qualified enough yet is just a manifestation of not feeling good enough. We're feeling that whatever we do and try never works, which is a combination of a self-worth issue and a subconscious programming issue. And always wanting to get more diplomas or trainings before we can feel ready is the same. So to summarize, once you can master your subconscious mind, which means number one, unprogram or deprogram some deeply rooted writing on the wall or limiting beliefs that are just planted in there from childhood or past generations and once you learn tools and exercises to shift subconscious beliefs or to tend to the needs of your core self that are also very often subconscious you basically master the subconscious part self-worth and self-confidence are often positive spillover effects of changing what is in your subconscious but there are also action steps that you can take to boost your self-worth daily exercises that will boost not only your self-worth and your self-confidence and once you tackle these three things and it doesn't need to be perfect it doesn't have to take a gazillion years imposter syndrome can no longer live and one of the most important and life-changing and simple exercises that you can do to achieve all of those things is fulfilling your core needs by becoming the next level ceo adult self that your younger self needed and that will never be blaming any undesirable trait of character or behavior like procrastination on your younger self whilst keeping sabotaging mechanisms at bay. So once we can basically dissociate one, our younger self, which is just feelings, often feelings of not being good enough, helplessness, or feeling like he or she is not worthy, to our next level adult self who actually decides to take charge and take care of a younger self, And three, this part of us, we can call it, you know, our ego or like, you can give it whatever name you want, but this part of us that acts, right? We feel not good enough, we feel lonely, we feel unloved, and then there is a behavior associated with that feeling and the behavior is lashing out on people, being frustrated at haters on social media, procrastinating, sabotage, watching TikTok instead of taking action, etc, etc. So once you can dissociate these three things, so core feelings of not feeling good enough, which are often associated to our inner child or younger self, number two, the part of you, your adult, next level, higher self, which is deciding right now to listen to this podcast and get over imposter syndrome, and then the third part that is just acting upon our upsetting feelings, Once you can dissociate these three things and apply very targeted, simple exercises to tend to the needs of your younger self, then you no longer need to look for outside stuff like money or success or likes on an Instagram post or appreciation from clients to actually feel good enough from the inside. You start to feel good enough and worthy and amazing from the inside out. And because we start changing how we feel, 
deeply in the inside and because we're changing our beliefs that we're not good enough or not worthy to much healthier beliefs that we are absolutely good enough and worthy and amazing just the way we are we will no longer be attracting circumstances that confirm our old beliefs that we are not good enough right remember the role of the universe is to make our reality coherent with our limiting or with our beliefs in general so if we have a deep ingrained belief that we're not good enough, that we're not worthy, that we are a fraud, that everyone around us is more competent or more qualified, we will keep attracting people, circumstances, and stuff in our life that is going to reinforce those beliefs. So that's why we attract haters when we are very afraid of haters. That's why we attract difficult clients when we are afraid that our clients are not going to be happy with us. That's why we might attract flop launches when we feel that we never have any luck or that the universe is never there for us. Now, how exactly we heal abandonment wounds and become our own main source of love, affection, nurturance, safety, rather than searching that outside of ourselves, can come from many different tools or things that we do. It can come from being in the present moment or intentionally spending time doing things you love that will not necessarily bring anything in your business, right? Going for a walk uh, at the lake or painting or watching your favorite movie when you were a kid, or baking, or cooking, or seeing a friend. We can also do that through EFT, energetic work in general, subconscious work, meditation, um, breathing exercises, affirmations, journaling, tuning into our next level self, and so many more tools that are available to us and that work remarkably well if we can tune into the raw feeling which means that we will be more in tune with the root cause of the issue. And most importantly, which I have come to realize more in recent months, it is all about reparenting that younger self of ours who did not have her core needs met, not because our parents were bad, or maybe they were, who knows, right? Uh, most of the times they just did their best with what they had. So reparenting that younger self of ours or inner child or whatever term floats your boat. So we become the primary source of love, attention, you know, safety, etc., etc., etc. And they are exercises that work remarkably well so well and that are so simple that it's almost hard to believe that it only takes that it does take consistency we have to do those you know every day even if it's only two or three or five minutes and we will see results after you know two or three months because it's basically all about changing deeply ingrained neurological pathways and patterns of our limbic brain that used to react a certain way, that used to feel a certain way, and changing those patterns and neurological programs to healthier, more empowering ones. Now, here we come about talking about the workshop that I will be hosting next week. If you resonated with the content of this episode and the last episode about imposter syndrome, and in general, you feel that you have reached a plateau or that the old way of doing things is not really floating your boat anymore or it's not giving you the results that you want, expect and know you can have, 
Next week's workshop about overcoming imposter syndrome is probably what you need because while its primary goal is to alleviate the common symptoms of imposter syndrome, which is undercharging, not being visible, feeling like a fraud or not feeling good enough, the scope of the workshop is and the positive ripple effects and positive side effects that you can get from it are so much greater because as we mentioned before, when you go to the core issue of what literally every human being is experiencing of not feeling good enough to a lesser or greater extent, once you go to that core issue and apply powerful tools to alleviate those feelings and tools that you can use way after the workshop on a daily basis, That is when you start transforming yourself to the next level because we all know consciously, intellectually, that the secret to manifestation is embodying that next level person we already want to be and trusting the universe and feeling worthy and deserving of receiving what we want and ultimately the highest form of frequency is love, right? So how can we feel love if we don't have self-love? And self-love is a direct consequence or is like best friends with self-worth. It's going to be difficult to love ourselves if we don't think that we are worthy of receiving love. So when we work with this core thing of self-worth, self-love, and becoming our own primary source of satisfaction, affection, love, gratitude, validation, and more. It doesn't mean that we will never need anyone outside of us for those things again. And it doesn't mean that we are saying that we don't want people in our lives to give us that. It means that we are healing all of the limiting beliefs and patterns that were repelling that stuff away. It means that we're going to be healing all of the things that were stopping us from building deeper connections with either our significant others or people in our business or our clients or our audience. We're actually opening the doors to abundance, clients, money, or anything we are trying to manifest in our life because there is no higher frequency than love, literally. It's the highest frequency in the quantum field. There is no higher frequency than having the peace of mind of knowing that we are good enough, knowing that we are always supported. Hey, (laughs) here we are again, we're feeling supported. It's going to be difficult for the universe to send us what we want if we feel that no one ever has our back, right? So feeling supported, feeling deserving, feeling worthy, having the peace of mind and letting go of the fear, panic, worry and anxiety, which are inner child feelings so we can act from a place of intuition alignment good enoughness which will automatically result in better outcomes so this is what we will be doing next week in the two-day overcoming imposter syndrome workshop where we will combine EFT, hypnosis, timeline exercises to go back to the first time we didn't feel good enough so we can heal it at that time and a bunch of exercises and tools that you will be able to keep with you way beyond um, the end of the workshop that actually work like crazy. So each day that goes by, you can strengthen those muscles, strengthen self-love, strengthen feeling good enough, feeling like an expert enough and feeling that your services are just exactly what people need and people see it. They see how valuable it is and flash news 
People will not see the value in our program if we can't see the value of our program. And it's going to feel difficult to see the true value of our program if we don't value ourselves, because everything is a mirror, right? So once we know that what we're selling is bomb.com, we believe in it, we believe in ourselves, people are energetically going to feel that, and that's when they're going to start coming to you without you having to necessarily search for them. I have definitely experienced crazy launches where people would just literally drop from the sky. They were not on the email list. I don't know where they came from, but they came from somewhere and invested in programs after knowing me for literally five days. And that can happen when our energy is in the right place. So the link is in the description of this workshop to sign up. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you there. I hope that this podcast episode was amazing and valuable for you. And I will see you in the next one. Bye bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Now, if you want to experience the full power of your subconscious mind to manifest more abundance and more clients towards you while you sleep, I've got a gift for you. The Abundance Hypnosis Recording. It will help you let go of imposter syndrome and money blocks directly at the subconscious level and rewire your mind to energetically attract and manifest more abundance and clients. This recording has already helped thousands of women let go of deep-seated limiting beliefs and negative blueprints they didn't even know they had. And all you have to do is go to inespadar.ch slash abundance recording in one word. And of course, all of this is in the show notes. So see you next time on the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast.